the false self. To lose self means to lay aside those layers of identity which we call false because they are impermanent. They're false only if we attribute permanence to them or we attach ourselves to them. Got my rights, I've got my identity, I've got my position, treat me with more respect. That often comes out of the false self, a sense of self we're trying to defend or assert. Now, that is part of our human psychological development. The ego appears at a very young age, to about two years old, and causes the parents tremendous suffering and joy until adolescence when it causes mere suffering. It has to be tolerated and it can be tolerated because we can see it as part of an evolutionary emergent process. Where it cannot be tolerated is if this two-year-old ego self is still operating at the age of 70, as it can be, or at any stage in between. Then it's no longer charming. So we have to be able to recognize when and in what circumstances our ego, or if you like our false self, is only false if we take it to be true, if we're deluded by it or mastered by it. Otherwise, it is simply there. It serves a function. The ego serves a function. It's a vehicle. In Sanskrit, the word most closely related to ego is ahamkara, which, which comes from two words or two senses, one of which is I am, aham, and the other is kara, which gives us the word carriage or car or vehicle. So the ego, we could say, is the vehicle, the carrier, the platform for delivering the true self until we're ready, until we're more mature. We have to see ourselves as a a work of maturation in progress. So the ego has a function. It allows us to differentiate, to separate from our parents, from the womb, from our mother's love. It separates us from the institutions that would otherwise control us and create us as nationalists or bigots or prejudiced people. So the ego allows us to detach from which we have become attached. And in that process, we suffer pain. All separation causes pain. But at the same time, it sets us free. When a child separates from its parents and leaves home, it's very painful. When the parents drive the child to the university and drop them off, and they know they've lost them in a way forever. But at the same time, they're happy for that. And, of course, the relationship continues because they come home. But that separation is necessary for proper relationship, just as detachment is necessary in the new relationships that we build because we now have a sense of self. We now have a sense of who I am. We still have to be careful that we don't fall back into the childish patterns of attachment. Marry our mother, marry our father, and, you know, just want to create that kind of womb-like security again. So all of this is human psychology, isn't it? This is the self, if you like, that we're trying to lose. It's the attachment to temporary or transitional manifestations of our identity. As we learn to lay them aside, and the best efficient way of doing that, I think, is meditation. Life presents us with innumerable opportunities to do it, 
meditation is our choice to do this. And of course, once we've got used to doing it in meditation, it becomes easier to do in daily life. We are able, for example, just to recognize what is taking over, is controlling us with fear, with anger, with jealousy, with bitterness, with whatever the ego, the desire to control or possess. So we notice that and we say, ah, I just see that going on in my mind. I have to control it. I have to recognize it and I have to bite my tongue or I have to not send that email immediately or I have to wait before I have that discussion. That's self-control, which is one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit and the fruits of meditation. We can't control the ego, then the ego will control us.